Thank you, Ron. Thank you, Valerie Joy. There are, I feel like today, uh, this morning, my heart is just open, so I'm feeling like um, a little tingly. I know this is TMI. It just occurred to me that <laughs> this is not probably not helpful, but there's a part of me that just wants you to know that, that like I'm trying to stay in my shoes almost, you know? It's almost like I could, like I could levitate in a sense. I don't know. So anyhow, there's a lot going on up here that's not necessarily visible. Allow me to just say that, that I'm coming out of a, the Heart and Soul Leadership Retreat yesterday that was just so rich and fulfilling. And so I'm sure that's a part of of what's happening. And I guess I'm trying to use that as the excuse for whatever may happen. <laughs> it just may happen on account, of, on account of that rather than me. So look, um, on this adventure in faith, I, um, several years ago, probably a couple of decades at this point, I came across, I actually fell in love with some of Alan Cohen's work and um, reached out to him, and, you know, we connected and so forth. But there's a story that he tells that is about, well, if this were a biblical story, and it could be, it would be, a, this is a contemporary scripture, if you will. So watch this. A certain woman, because, you know, that's how Scripture frames it, that you've got to have this, a certain woman or a certain man uh, presupposes that there are certain characteristics present, that it couldn't just be anybody. It could be anybody, but it needs to be anyone at that particular time in their life with that particular understanding, with that particular energetic presence in the moment. So, Alan Cohen's story says that a certain woman had just some minor surgery. She was in good health, but needed to have some very specific surgery. And when the surgery was completed, for the next couple of weeks, she was not getting well. But whenever she was examined, because of course she went back to the doctor, they could not find anything. There was nothing, there was no uh, information that they could glean about her health that explained why she was not getting well. So this went on for a while, and clearly she was connected with some folks who thought they knew some stuff, because what they decided, suggested to her, was that she see a hypnotist. So she went for hypnosis, and what was discovered in the process was that she had received a, an impression that she was not going to do well. And so what was specifically revealed was that she had overheard the surgical staff say, well, how is she, how is she going to do? What, what do you think is going to happen here? And they said, well, she doesn't, not going to make it more than a couple of weeks. But it turns out they weren't talking about her. See, this certain woman is us. 
irrespective of gender. It's us. What have we accepted? What has impressed our consciousness in such a way that we are living as if that's true? This story resonates with me in particular, and I'm, I'm sure I've told you this story before, but there was a time when I used to hear this inner voice that would say that I was clumsy. And um, here's what specifically happened, is my uh, family was at my godmother's, and at my godmother's at the time, uh, where she lived then, had very steep stairs going outside. And because it's my godmother, I was familiar with the household, so I'm leading everybody downstairs. And I hear my father say, you better hold on to the railing, you know you're clumsy. And so I held on, and I carried that. And then, once I got grown, one day, I was doing something, and I heard that. So for all of those many, many years, I lived as if that were true. But in this moment when it came up for me, I thought, wait a minute. You were athletic. You danced. You, there's no evidence whatsoever that I, that, that, I thought he wasn't even talking to you. <laughs> he wasn't even talking to you. But I think at that point, I'm not even sure my father was still alive. It was just, I had carried that, and every now and then, it would bite me. And I believed it, because what I had accepted it without question. Consider this a word of warning about accepting the impression on our consciousness without inquiry. Because had I just thought about it like I did decades later, I thought that has nothing to do with me. And so much that we're tripping about has nothing to do with us nothing to do with us. However, because of our preconditioning, our willingness to accept it, it has everything to do with us. You see, her cells heard it, heard her acceptance of it. And because she didn't even, her conscious mind didn't even hear it. So she doesn't have any conscious awareness of it. Oh, this is a good story right here. I mean, just in terms of all of the levels of which we can peep. Y'all understand peep. That we can peep so that we can begin to unpack our lives in meaningful ways so that we can free ourselves. Paramahansa Yogananda says this. He says, each of us is stamped with the vibratory signature of our own state of consciousness. Each of us is kind of living in a vibratory soup of our mental, our emotional, our physical antenna. 
the, the way we tune into who we are and how we are. And as a result of that, this very much determines what can be a part of our world. So you could be sitting next to someone right now. In fact, most of you are. And y'all could be having entirely different experiences even about the climate in the room. The same chairs, the comfort of the chairs. And it's be this... Those are like simple examples, but if we extrapolate that, we can begin to see a sense of how individualized we are. But we'll lie to each other and pretend like we see it the same. Yes. I wanted to say it exactly that way. I know we don't feel like we're lying. We're kind of going along to get along. We're, we're staying with the, the, um, the race consciousness that's right there. Oh, you know, it ain't going to get no, oh, you know, it's not. And then you tell your story to substantiate that. And then you come hang out here. And you know that's not true. You know what you just co-signed. It's not true. But we co-sign it be, so we can exist in the race consciousness. But what does Yogananda say? He says, each of us is stamped with the vibratory signature of our own state of consciousness. We want to live more fully in our own. Yeah. To know what we know. Why? Well, you know, I'm right back here to uh, Romans 12 and 2. That we not be conformed, that we not imitate that we don't try to force our, our round selves into square holes. That we're comfortable being ourselves. I know that for many, that's a large order. For many of us, we were not raised in ways. We, we didn't self-train either. We haven't freed ourselves to be comfortable, what, in our own skin. And instead live lives wishing we could mimic and imitate or just be somebody else. Oh, caution. <laughs> caution, because you don't know the whole story about somebody else. What is the axiom that the grass is all, all you know, it's looking better over there till you get over there? And so all of that, this idea from this scripture of renewing your mind, it could be interpreted for some as choosing again. So show enough, there's all that living. You know, by the time you get as mature as most of us are, there's a lot of life behind us. But we don't have to be in this moment in the full effect, meaning completely bound by that. And sometimes where that feels like, I don't know how you couldn't be. If that's what comes up for you, I offer you Mother Harriet. And many of her contemporaries, most of which will go unnamed, most of whom will go unnamed. Because we don't know the folks who walked away and ran away and rode away, disguised, hid away, tucked away, whatever it was that they realized that this is not to be my destiny. It might be that my entire life 
has been one of enslavement. Now, if you're having, you, I try to use a lot of examples, and I know I mix metaphors. You're just going to have to forgive me about that. But my intention is I'm really up here doing whatever I can to pick off everybody, to have something for everybody, for the one who's like, I don't know nothing about that. And you always tell my mother, hey, well, pick somebody else. That we, I'm just trying to work it out so that we each have something that we can, you know, we can giddy up our little, pull our horse up. You know, see, I've just done it again. Now we own horses. Bless my heart. But just so that we can bring ourselves to it. That something can be said that, that lights our awareness so that we're lit in a way that something else can happen. Because I don't know why you've come. I just assume that folks who come to a morning service in a spiritual center want something different. A little more of something. Maybe not a full transformation of their life. Now, some do. Some are like, when they get in here, they're like, oh, that's all I had to do. I knew if I could get my behind in a seat, it could be different. But others are just a little, just a little something. It could just, but put another slide up, Rev. That'll be, if I get a photo of the slide, I'll be good. So somewhere on the continuum, but I know you didn't just come to keep me company. I know that there's something that you are desirous for yourself, even if you've not yet identified it. Even if it's not a conscious intention, like, I'm going to go get. My prayer is that what you've brought is an open mind. That what you've brought is an open heart. That what you have, what you're offering, is your divine availability. That you might be touched. By something, maybe the energy of the one next to you, the one in front of you, behind you, the hug you get, that something can happen that can shift this notion of renewing our minds. I don't know how that's going to come. I'm not taking responsibility for renewing your mind. You must do that. But the call is that you do so that you can from this new place, from this new awareness, that you begin to distinguish what's good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Because you see, yesterday or day before, before you renewed your mind, it was different. There's some things you used to be able to do that now you're like, oh, I ain't doing that. That's no longer a fit. I'm not mad about having done it, although sometimes we are. But right now, I'm simply discerning that I am changed. I have renewed my sense of who I am and how I am. And some would say whose I am. And once I make that shift, I am changed. Does that make sense? Yeah. So look, in Acts of Faith, our sister Yamla says that life is an accurate reflection of our consciousness. Because I was kind of hoping it wasn't my consciousness. I was kind of hoping it was the people in the White House or the people in Congress 
or the Supreme Court or somebody other than me. <laughs> but if I'm responsible, life is an accurate reflection of my consciousness. She says, people will usually say to us the very things we think to ourselves. So you see what that, if we add what she said to Alan Cohen's story, that there was a preconditioning. And that I certainly, being a daddy's girl, I was preconditioned to hear whatever he said at that age. Who else could it be talking to? Because I was the universe. At that age, he had to be talking to me. And then I come to realize that some part of me had taken that on. If we want others to speak well of us, she says, we must first think well of ourselves. This is why the renewing of our mind is so essential. She says, the next time someone criticizes you, think, where have I heard that before? It's an inside job. Living is an inside job for sure. So look, you must be willing to change your mind, to pivot. The question I have today is, are you willing? Are you on your way to renewing your sense? I can hear Mother Harriet saying, I'm on my way and I won't turn back. There's not a documentary around her that doesn't ground us in that awareness. And then there's this notion of needing somebody to go with you. But there's a way to come into an awareness, a consciousness that says, even if you don't go, all I ask is that you don't hinder me. Why? Because I'm on my way and I won't turn back. I'm going to ask the ensemble, the heart and soul ensemble to tell you about it. I love it. I'm on my way, and I won't turn back. Somebody needs to say that. I'm on my way, and I won't turn back. My sense is that every life, every life has something in it. There's a, a healing at the level of, of body and health and well-being that, that somebody is standing in to say, I'm on my way to greater health and well-being, and I won't turn back. Because life is going to offer you some opportunities. There's going to be a prognosis. There might be a little lab confusion that you could buy into. I'm just, I'm just trying to offer some examples. You could be... Uh, working on, on a new home and, and um, the, the mortgage broker and all of the possible confusions, but you're going to have to know that you're on your way and you're not turning back. Or there will be so many invitations to abandon the clarity, to abandon the truth, to abandon what you know. It brings us right to faith. We've been talking about it, and we're going to continue to, because there's something, there's something right in around through here that feels essential for us to get a good sense of where we are, each of us, in our own lives, in our own house, so to speak. That's the way Scripture might say it, in, in your house. What's your level of faith? Because that's, that's your read. That's like your, your little thermostat. Check your faith thermostat. 
so that you can get a sense of where you are on the faith meter. Because where you are on the faith meter is going to be reflected in your life experience. Because, look, there's this, Ernest Holmes says that faith is a mental attitude which is so convinced of its own idea, meaning you're on your way and you won't turn back, that you cannot be turned back. You know, part of the lyric is, I asked him and her to go with me. I asked my brother and my sister to go with me, which could be anybody. But they didn't go. Now, for some of us, that would end the party. You're not going either. They did not. Well, why didn't you go? Well, they wouldn't go with me. I asked so-and-so, and then I asked them and them, and they wouldn't go. So that ended it. Oh, but there's something in you that can go anyway. And we just say, okay, now. Now, the song is nice about it. It said, if, if you won't go, don't hinder me. But somebody would just tell them, if you're not going, you better get out of my way. <laughs> Come on, Mother Harriet. I'm channeling Mother Harriet. This is not me. But the idea would be, I'm going and get out of my way about it. You're not going to stop me. You cannot hinder me. Because I have what is mine to be, to do, to have, to experience. And it'd be nice if we could do it together. But if we can't, it's still going to get done. Because why? It's my consciousness. It's, it's the purpose. It's the mission on my life. And I want to make sure I say to you, you don't want to give that up. You don't want to parlay that based on who's going to go with you, who's going to like it or who won't like it, what people might say. None of that. Ernest Holmes says that before such a mental attitude can be created, the mental attitude that we, that we know that there's every story about Mother Harriet cements this story, confirms this sense of her awareness. He says that this, before such a mental attitude can be created, there must be nothing left in the subjective state of our thought which contradicts our objective affirmation. I'm on my way, and I won't turn back. Now, when you listen to what Ernest Holmes is saying here, the way I read it, you better not be here tomorrow. You, you understand what I'm saying? Because you, you're on your way, right? So tomorrow you would be in another state, another state of being, another physical location, why? Because that's what you are affirming. That's what you're declaring. And he's saying that this, once this mental attitude is created, that there's nothing left. You can't stay there. You're not going to sleep a night. Not well. You're not going to be comfortable. Not one iota. Does, is this making sense? I'm on my way. That declaration. You almost moving before you read. You, you're like, well, no, I was going to get my, mm -mm. Can't wait for that any longer. Oh, I hope this is making sense because there's, a, there's an urgency, not a fretfulness, 
but there's, there's from within, this sense is so clear that you absolutely must do it. Oh, the stories that some of us could tell about how we ended up at a certain, y'all know I wasn't planning to go to ministerial school. It was a ruse. I was not going. It had come up for me, and I okay, I'll go, but. And then it was just like the universe said, oh, you on your way. Because there was that that I had set, but even in, I'm trying to say something, that once this mental attitude, of course, where I was moving in my life just didn't include this in my equation of it, but it did. I was doing the inner work for my highest and best, but I thought I was going to be able to choose what that was. I was going to pick between choices I liked. But what unfolded was something else. But see, I'm doing my mental attitude part. I'm ready. I'm already packed. I'm going someplace that is declared as my highest and best. I just kept saying it wasn't that. That ain't it. And then the ruse unfolded. And I ended up there just under completely different circumstances. But because I do this work, I recognized where I was and that I was absolutely where I was supposed to be, whether I liked it or not. And I knew better than to try to turn back. Why Ernest Ernest Holmes says it right here. Faith will not be denied. It may not look the way you think it's going to look. The folks you think you're going to be there with, they may not be there. But faith will not be denied. He even says it plainly. It will not take no for an answer. It speaks affirmative language. I'm on my way. Yes. Oh, y'all. Dr. Dan Morgan, an amazing teacher, metaphysician. He reminds us that the essential motto of science of mind philosophy is keep the faith. He says the true faith, sharply put, is God is good. His mercy is everlasting. Bam. Period. End. And if we get this, we live a different life. I don't mean if you say it, if you write it in your journal. All that's good, but this ain't that. This is about believing it and taking it to heart so much so that you're on your way and you won't turn back. You know that God is good. See, all of that during the prognosis, during the delivery of that, I see, I recommend that you not go to the doctor. If you got something going on, I suggest you do not go alone. Somebody goes with you. They're the note taker. They're the one who, if permitted, they can record it for you because you, you're saying your affirmation about health and, whole be, health and well-being. That's your job. 
no, no matter what else is being said in the room, you are not giving that your full attention. Why? Because you're on your way. And you're not going to turn back. And something may be heard if you tune into fully to it that will have you think about turning back. So somebody else take the notes. And y'all will talk about it in full. If permitted, get it recorded. Because you do need to, to have some information about that, but you don't need a little steady diet in a vulnerable moment. And I realized years ago, if they put on a little white coat, my little consciousness tunes in. When they start wearing colors and clogs and all that, it kind of shifted. That gave me a little space. But before that, when they just had on the white coats and all that, I was just, what? And what else? You know, I was just too, and I thought, oh, this isn't good, because they're not saying nothing I want to hear sometimes. <laughs> nothing that's in alignment with my intention for my health and well-being. Now, they're doing their job. I'm not criticizing. They're doing what they do. It's just it's not your job. You're not, gonna, you're not there to relieve them. You're not there to just bring your bushel and say, fill it with the worst case scenario. You must guard your consciousness. You're affirming health and well-being. Whatever they're saying, you, you, I'm not saying you don't need to know that. Please don't misunderstand. But you don't have to know all of that. You don't have to know the five ways it could go wrong. Do you understand what I'm saying? You may need the surgery, but you don't need to know all of the possible side effects. You know, everything that could go. Because if you've decided you're going to do it, that part don't matter. You certainly don't need to go in there being at the effect of that. I'm trying to say something, y'all. Now, come on. So he's saying that if you realize, so this could be the patience affirmation. God is good and his mercy is everlasting. So doctors saying and nurse practitioner, they all in there saying what they need to say, but what are you saying? God is good and his mercy is exactly. And you're going to catch up with everything else later. <laughs> everything else you need to know is going to be in the context of that truth. Come on now. He says very specifically that this applies to all aspects of today's activities and events. So you could add that too. God is good. His mercy is everlasting. And this applies to everything going on in my life. Just complete the affirmation so it really works. You understand how you have to do this? Well, you don't have to do it. You can be in there crying and carrying on. Or you could stand and say, I'm, I'm on my way. I am claiming a greater health and well-being. And I value the medical profession, which is why I'm here. But I'm not trying to be one. So I don't have to know all of that. I need to know enough so that I can be guided to make my decision based on, based on what I need to make it from that includes my faith and in knowing 
God is good. His mercy is everlasting. And that applies to absolutely everything in my life now and always. Revelation 21 and 1, we are still there. Why? Because it is from this consciousness that we then can perceive a new heaven and thus manifest a new earth. Now, when we, we're using the terminology, what it means is a new idea, a new possibility, a new unformed reality. That's what heaven is. It's an unformed reality because where does it exist? In our consciousness. Having never been there, having never seen it, even if you got a picture book with it in there, it still is in, it's our consciousness. And so what we're doing here is we are doing this consciousness work to perceive, to discern a new possibility. I began telling myself that I'm okay with ending up in a medical journal. Because I know that my idea that I shared with the medical professional, and they say, oh, nobody's ever done that. I'm like, well, I'm okay being the one. I know we haven't had that yet, but I'm okay with that. And you know, I don't need a cosigner. And, and I had to do it to protect that vulnerable part of me that was like, okay, you laid it out so clear that it gave, it was a Martha and the Vandellas moment with nowhere to run and nowhere to hide. I had to get me an out, which is okay. I could be, all right, nobody ever. I could be the one. I could start, the, I'm okay with that. Because I needed to change the narrative. I needed to see a new heaven and a new earth for me. I'm trying to break this down so that it's plain for us. Because sometimes we, we read the scripture and a new heaven and a new earth and none of that matters in our lives. But everything about this matters in our lives. But we have to, we have to pull it in close. Because what it also says is that the former heavens, those other ideas, and the other manifestations, they're not going to get in the way of this. They're not going to hinder my awareness of a new possibility and a new manifestation born out of that ideation. And the sea, which is but confusion represented here symbolically, and the confusion about what I ought to do and what I need to say and go and all of the things is no longer relevant. Behold, I make all things new. I'm so grateful for Valerie Joy and our music ministry. And I'm saying that now because I'm grateful for our collaboration, that the simplicity of a shared vision around what could happen with thank you, Lord. Thank you for the um, leadership team 
in total for the way that we came together yesterday and what was born out of that and that we even gave birth to the sharing of the declarations of gratitude and the power that is in that. I encourage you to listen to the recording, to, to catch pieces of that later so that you too can be filled with a sense of gratitude and thanksgiving. So this is our time for our closing prayer. And sometimes, what, as I'm going to do today, I like to um, use written prayers. For example, today I'm combining um, prayerful affirmations from Ernest Holmes, um, Raymond Charles Barker, and Frank Richelieu. So this is all old school science of mind. And um, I just invite you to, to bask in it. And yes, I just started to do that thing that I often get wrong because now I know it's nesty that falls into the pool commercial. <laughs> and so I'm grateful for the, the, um, the correction because I do want to get it right. Just feel that you can. Just fall back. Just allow your eyelids to close and surrender into an inner knowing, an inner sanctity, the sense that, the sense of awareness that God is And his mercy is everlasting. We're just falling, surrendering, letting go into that perfect awareness. And then into that vastness, I speak these words. Aware that there is one life one magnificent, whole, perfect, and complete life. Divine love, divine health and well-being, divine intelligence. I believe and know that I was created, that all life is created by this perfect intelligence to be its means of expressing thought and feeling. I dedicate myself this day to the original purpose of my being. I commit to being the place and state for divine expression. I dedicate and consecrate the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, and the activities of my hands to the living one, the strong one, almighty God. I cleanse my mind of all that is unworthy of a spiritual being. Nothing shall cause me to be unkind, unloving, or mean. I believe that God indwells me as mind. And this eternal spirit is now blessing the world by means of me. By means of all of us, the human imprint on life. I know that all my inner capabilities are now quickened for good. I am strong in my determination to speak the truth. I'm on my way. 
and I won't turn back. Love. I love my fellow man and act as the son, as the daughter, as one in God. The inner spirit is the life force of God, ever sustaining and maintaining that which it has created. For the spirit abides in every cell, every tissue, organ, fiber, muscle, bone, and marrow of my body. Divine order, yes, Lord, is taking place throughout my entire consciousness. Everything is shifted, is transformed, is transmuted into the highest possible vibration. A power greater than myself is at work through me, healing, restoring, making me whole. I surrender from my consciousness all that is unlike the nature of God. I free myself from yesterday and take no thought for tomorrow. I allow myself to become more completely centered upon the presence and the power. I know that God is good and his mercy is everlasting. Moving through me is divine order. That infinite intelligence and divine love which are correcting, removing, transforming, and eliminating all that is unlike God's perfection. I know the presence of God. And I let it work in, as, and through me. I rejoice in this truth. I give thanks that this is true in my life. I give thanks that this is true. I give thanks for the presence, for the power, for the love of God. I give thanks for this word. I give thanks for Ernest Holmes and Raymond Charles Barker and Frank Richelieu. I give thanks for the wisdom, for the love, for the joy, for the peace, for the health and well-being that is fostered in this word. I am grateful. So it is an absolute perfect gratitude that I release this word, that I release it into the perfect activity of law, that I accept it as so. And accepting it as so, I seal this for all eternity, knowing that it's not possible for my word, this word, to return void. I know that it must, absolutely must, manifest as spoken. This I know for sure. And I let it be. Sealing it by saying Ashe. Amen. And so it is. Love matters.